Hello, friends, and welcome to the Point of Hope podcast. My name is Steve, and this broadcast is brought to you by the Point of Hope Apostolic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where brighter days begin. In today's episode, we are going to do something just a little bit different here. We are actually going to take this opportunity to launch into Season 2. So if you've been a faithful listener through the 30 or 40 episodes that we did in Season 1, we thank you. Welcome back. Uh, Joining me in this episode today is the Senior Minister at Point of Hope, Mr. Stephen Gossage. Pastor, welcome. How are you today? I am great. I am glad to be with you doing this podcast again. Uh, Just want to say thank you to all of those that have been asking uh, one of the new stuff gonna gonna drop, and and uh, we appreciate all the fans and and for those that uh, really love this. This is a great, fun thing to do, as well as a it's intended for ministerial use. So we want we want to be a blessing, so. and and we do. And actually, you know, without getting into specifics about downloads and listens and all this stuff, mm-hmm. I I would venture to say that I am pleasantly surprised by the amount of engagement with these episodes. Yes. Uh, we don't always get a ton of commentary on these episodes because, I mean, it's pretty hard to refute the absolute truth we're bringing here <laughs> every episode, but I'm encouraged by how many of you are listening. And yes. so what we wanted to do today is we realized that if you don't go to this church and you don't know us personally, you have no idea who we are. Right. You would never know that the pastor is 7-1. He's Lithuanian. He was a basketball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, none of that's true. But we aren't, uh, we're not going to get into those kinds of things. But we did think it would be fun to just start season two off with a little bit of getting to know who we are a little bit. And so we do have some uh, questions from the grab bag. So if you're amenable to that, I'm just going to pull one out of here, and I'm going to lay it on you, and we're going to see how you respond. I like it. It should be fun. All right. So our first question is, well, this is a good one. How long have you served as a pastor, or how long have you served in ministry? Oh, boy. Uh, Well, so in ministry, I am uh, only 32. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, more like 52. So I got into ministry right around 20 thereabouts, and I was working as a youth minister, youth pastor. Um, And I did that three different times in my ministry. So 32 years I've been in and around ministry, whether I'm the lead dog or part of a team. So that's how long. And then um, as far as pastoring, um, it's 2024 now, and I have to look back, and I always get this confused because I don't really count the years, but I should. It was 2009 when we planted Point of Hope Apostolic Church, and for yeah. those of you who don't know, when we say planted, we talk about church plant. We we started the church, my wife and I, and uh, it was 2009 while well, we were, were still serving as the assistant pastor at a church up north in Indianapolis. And so we did this kind of on the side. And um, 2010, I went full-time into this. So so 14 years, I've been full-time pastoring. 
and 2009, 15 years, I was part-time pastoring. So I'd say 14 and a half is what I'd do, just find a middle ground. Yeah, and so when you were serving in ministry in those early years, you had other jobs. Then. Oh, is yes. That right? Yes. Yeah. Um, while, I, while I was an assistant pastor, I, was, I sold uh, construction um, it was in construction sales. Sure. And, uh, um, so materials, that kind ma- of stuff, materials and labor on a commercial sure. side, roofing, siding, guttering, all that kind of stuff. And then I went in the commercial side of <laughs> those are probably building inter- interesting job sites. I'm sure you had opportunities to minister to some of those <laughs> folks. <laughs> well, I don't know if it, we would call it ministering, but I certainly heard everything that I, I could hear <laughs> whether I was, Ten or hundred, so, but uh, but yeah, that that's kind of what I did. And then at, when I was also as an assistant pastor, I uh, they had a school, and I became the principal there. And so I was a principal for two years, and I taught. And um, that that's it. That's pretty much a lot of what I did over those years. Yeah, and so. certainly, you know, you mentioned you're fifty two, so more than half your life has been devoted to to ministry and to God. And absolutely. And, and we just, should celebrate that, I think. Yeah, and um, it's a great thing. It's it's only because of God kept me. But I re- actually, I wanted to tell you this and, and throw that in. I actually received the call of God in my life back yeah. when I was around 11 or 12. So that would have been about 83, 84. And I just felt like that God wanted me to do something even at that age, and I and I think I could designate that it was a God thing. And uh, right around that same time, I had a pastor that had um, he, he prophesied over me. Really? Uh, yeah, he pulled me out of the congregation, and it was a bigger congregation, and and put me in, in front of everybody at that age, and and just said, God told me, and has been talking to me about this young man, and uh, uh, he's got the ear markings of a preacher. And uh, I never understood that. I thought I got, I got ears like a preacher. What, <laughs> what does, does that, that even mean? <laughs> and then some other elders in my life began to tell me, "Well, that's what this is," and and it solidified that that's what I was feeling. So even way back then, in the early to mid '80s, did I feel the call of God? And I never really questioned that. That's where I would end up doing if I would not be so. Um, opposite and contrary to the will of God, I knew that that I would always be in ministry. There's some interesting sermon takeoffs there, too, because not only did you show submission to your pastor in receiving that Mm -hmm. and then acting on that, Mm -hmm. but having those people around you who mentored you and poured into your life and spoke into your life, because something you didn't mention here, but because I know you personally, I know Mm -hmm. you brought your family, you brought your mother to the church. Yeah, it was a couple years later after I had been baptized in Jesus' name. I remember when I got baptized, I came home. and my, Of course, my mother had given me permission to be baptized, but she didn't go. Yeah. Um, and I came home and told her that I got baptized. And, uh, she, of course, she wasn't a churchgoer. She believed in God, one of those kind of things. Sure. And she said, that's great. And then when I received the Holy Ghost in July of that year, January was when I baptized Holy Ghost when I was uh, uh, in Jan- in July, rather. Yeah, because they are two separate and distinct events, two, and yes, you they. need them both. But yes. that's another sermon takeoff for yes, another yes, time. Yes, yes, yes. And um, when I came home, when I said I received the Holy Ghost, my mom was like, well, what? <laughs> what did you get? What does that even mean? Yeah, do I need to take you to the doctor? Is this something <laughs> treatable? 
Um, and then she began to see the change in me. Now, again, all glory goes to God because as sure. a kid, I wasn't calculating and putting on a show. Yeah. You, you can only be a kid, you know. And uh, it was a, about 18 months, two years later, mom started to come. And um, she was then baptized in Jesus' name, and, and God moved on her and filled her with the Holy Ghost. And, and radically changed her life. At radically. Your mother is a prayer warrior and a soul winner. Mm. Thank of you. Just the highest regard. Yeah, we, Thank have, you. we love your mother. Thank and you. We pray for her often. Well, that's all interesting stuff. So do stuff. I. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's another episode. <laughs> I love her. I'm just teasing. So who, who were your mentors then when you were— at that age, and, and who are your mentors now? Well, again, it's um, um, several you mentioned um, that had poured into me. I have, I have people that were very kind to me yeah. during that time. I could mention uh, Daryl Chapel, um, great man, just recently passed. Uh, Mike Elder, he's still around. God bless him. I love him. Um, Ron Perry, uh, he's still around. Um, I mean, still around, meaning hasn't passed, and sure. I'm thankful for that. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's a time when uh, I needed another voice, and uh, a gentleman named Troy Branham, and he goes to our church now, and he was kind to me during that very formative time. So those are four names right off the bat that I can remember that really, really became something important to me that today, even years sure. later, they're part of the pillars and in some weird way, I feel like I want to pay back their kindness sure. by proving that the ministry that was put in me, the calling, they help foster. I love to just let them know that, hey, I'm sure. still doing this. You know. Well, and if you're listening right now and you're a Sunday school teacher or you're uh, someone who prays on a Saturday here, yes. never underestimate the value that you have because you never know what impact you're having in someone's life. Oh, Those people true. probably didn't know at, at age 11 and 12 and 13 that you were going to go on to do everything that you're doing now, but they had a call, they had a voice, and they... They responded, right? And now look where that leads you. You know, we all create these ripples when we're thrown in the pond, and you just never know how far-reaching those things are going to be. So that's so excellent. That's so true. And and these men, and and there were others, but those are the four big ones. Sure. I had an older brother too that was, you know, an older brother. Sure. Um, but but these men probably weren't thinking anything of that time to a, a goofy kid, and <laughs> but they felt like, hey, this he's investable. Sure. Just like you were kind of alluding to and, and said the words that I needed and, and give me the old attaboy, you're doing good, or hey, get back up, let's, you know, don't quit. And uh, those are the kinds of things that uh, you really appreciate later on in life. And, and I can say this, and I do say this to our Sunday school teachers in our church. I say, I remember more the kindness of my Sunday school teachers yeah. growing up than I ever do the best, smoothest sermon that ever came across the pulpit. Yep. And that doesn't mean that that doesn't have staying power uh, on its own, but as a kid, you remember who who really invests in you and who doesn't. Yep. And as equally as much as those four men that were there for me, I could also say that there were some that didn't see the value added in, in sure. Stephen Gossage. Yep. So you're right. I think... When we can, we should always be kind. 
and impact sure. people and let them know, hey, you're doing good. You can do this. I always, and I don't want to get too far off on this, but these questions, they're good because it gets me to talking about my passion projects. Sure. I believe in kindness, but I also believe in investing in young people. And I'm all the time I go to every young person and talk to them and give them a high five. And it's just that little thing that we just kind of look over the top of their heads, but they'll remember after I'm long gone. Those moments. Those moments. And, and, uh, as much as it's humbling to me as the person, it's not just the person, it's also the office of pastor. Sure. Well, and I can confirm that. I mean, part of what I serve here at point of hope in ministry is I teach the preteen Sunday school. Yes. And, uh, I, and I teach some adult Bible studies and I, I preach yes. on occasion, but there's nothing, it, it's rewarding in a different way to be in that room at the table with these kids mm-hmm. because kids are so much better than adults at, uh, letting letting the light switch flip on, yes. and when you see that you you know you'll you'll get up you'll preach and teach a message out here, and people may walk away. They may tell you it was impactful. They may not. Right. With a child, you see it right away. That's true. Their eyes get big, and they're like, "I never even thought." They have they yeah. they're humble because they don't know what yeah, they don't cool, know. It? Yeah. it is cool, yeah. and so I I love that part of of what we do here. And our child our children's ministry is growing here. Yes, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Thank to God. See. Yeah, no kidding. So, you know, since you are a pastor, a lot of people probably wonder what some things are like behind the scenes for you. I know when I pray, when my children pray, it's probably different than when when you pray, and maybe it's not. Uh, but I, I think there's a perception there that because you're the pastor, sure. that your life is different. How would you describe your prayer life, uh, especially as it is relationally with Jesus? Well, I, I I would always want to be honest in that I don't feel like I don't pray enough, to be honest with yeah, you. I think I definitely feel that way, too. Um, I think there are some times, and this is a struggle, I think, for most pastors, but I don't, I'm not speaking about other pastors, I'm talking about me, that I get so focused on the the minutiae and the, the just daily waves of things to do as a pastor studying and putting together sermons and teaching series and and then reaching out to somebody and check on them and then doing your own personal walk like reading and and uh, just all of these different things but I think overall I would this is one of my desires I want to be a better prayer warrior and there's uh, there's really no better calling for a saint than to be a prayer warrior. I'd love to be a great preacher. I don't know if that'll ever happen, (laughs) but I can pray. Um, so to answer your question, um, I, I work on consistency. Uh, I'd rather do, uh, quality rather than quantity. Sure. Uh, if I can get 15, 20 minutes in, but it's concentrated without the phone messing with me, and all the distractions, I'll take that. So I think just like everybody else has the demands of time, I don't know if it's any different than yours. I pray for people. I pray pastoral covering, sure. the Bible references many times over. I pray for every person in our church. I pray for all the the no needs that I know of, and then I pray for the things that God knows about, and I just say, God, you know, and but as far as the approach, I don't know if it's different. It may be a different perspective, but overall, yeah. I mean, it's just talking to God and asking Him to 
do it work. Well, prayer is the great equalizer. We can all do that. Absolutely. Anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to, I mean, the whole point of, of having a relationship with Jesus is having that direct line. Right. You know, and some of the things I struggle with are along those same lines. I don't feel like I'm praying enough. When when things are are good, I'm not praying enough. When things right. are bad, I'm not praying enough. Right. So, and I find myself too, I, I feel guilty sometimes if, if I pray in the morning and then I get to work and I step out of my truck and I'm like, oh, I forgot to pray for that person. And so I'm like praying as I'm walking across. Yeah, sure. I mean, all that stuff's okay, right? Having little mm-hmm. tidbit conversations mm-hmm. is okay, right? Right. I mean, God doesn't care how I do it, right? As long as I'm, as long as I'm just doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There'd be times that I'm just driving down the road and somebody or a situation will just come across and I'll go, where did that come from? I should pray for that. And I just basically said, Lord, you know, touch them right now. Just yeah, minister to Whatever them. it is. You know, I have, I have, maybe this is weird. I don't know. Maybe it's more of a call to prayer that I haven't designated that's what it is yet. But in this conversation, maybe that's what it is. But there are times I have a face that will come to me while I'm doing something distracted. A face that I don't think I don't recall who they are. Or there's a face there. And I'll say, Lord, I don't even know who that is. If that's somebody that I've just made up, <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I'm praying for them. Lord, touch them. You know their whole life. Touch them. So it's it's an odd thing. And the Bible some the Bible references that the Spirit gives you the thing. And I'm sure. paraphrasing. Sure, sure. Gives you the things to pray for, and you don't know the whole origin of it. And I, that's what I do. So it's just really odd sometimes. And, and while I'm driving down the street, if I'm thinking about you and your family, I'll just say, Lord, touch Steve and... And uh, Heather, and, and I'll just call out Cooper and Luke and Olivia. And so Andrew. what would you say then to somebody who says, if God's giving you the name of the person to pray for, then God already knows that need. Why do you specifically need to pray for them? Because God has put them on your heart. And this is an interesting thing that I really think that we all spend some time later on in our sure. podcast. Uh, I do try to tell this or, or intimate this as a pastor to people that God ties his will to our prayers and he wants us to be part of the process of it. Why does he give you that person to pray for? Maybe there's a similarity in experiences possibly. God, of course, sure. God's ways above our way. We don't, we don't know. Yeah. Cause I can't understand it. Anyway. I can't understand yeah. it, but maybe there's something that God has gifted you to be able to speak to that situation as you are being led of the Holy Ghost uh, to speak to in that sure. person. And, and maybe not even get to that far, but maybe you know how to pray because you know how they are feeling and you felt that way. You know, there's, there's just, that's just the, the basis, sure. surface explanation of what you asked. Yeah, well, and we can do an entire season of series just on prayer alone. Absolutely. So, because there's a couple of other things, you know, prayer, when, when you start to take on a strong prayer life, people that you maybe not even talk to all the time, they will seek you out and yes. ask for prayer because they know that you will do it. <laughs> yes. And does it matter what their, where their position is? They're searching for something. something. And when they, I mean, they'll know. I mean, yep. for those of you that are listening and you have the Holy Ghost, on some level, I bet you've experienced that, that you never thought that this person would ask you to pray. Well, the good thing about when they do 
and we say back, yes, I'll pray. Hey, we need to pray. Oh, you got to do it. You shouldn't you say should it. Tell somebody you're going to do it. You need to do it. Right. And if it's, um, I think you, you're really good at this, by the way. Um, but some others just say, well, let's just pray right now. Yeah. And I love that. I love that person that's just a little bit bold. I did that right in the lobby of my job. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's what I like. And my non-ministry, <laughs> you know, yeah. real world job. Yeah, and they'd probably like, what is this nut job? They, they might have been hesitant in that moment asking me to pray for them, but I can promise you they felt better when we were. Absolutely. And they know that you're going to pray and you're serious about yeah. it. So maybe it's a weird comforting way that, hey, I asked the right person. Well, you know, a lot of what we do and a lot of being a disciple and is, is being uncomfortable. So you're just going to have to get used to that. That's just the way it is. Well, and that's true. And really, when we get down to it, and we this is the, the pushback on that kind of thing when people look at us when we pray, and I don't think it's really that unheard of anymore because people— we certainly don't have a problem when we go to a restaurant and pray over our food and not even a, you can look not at even the, a little you can look that's right you can look at over a nearby table and they're doing that too so people aren't so hung up on that however our pushback is when there is somebody that looks at us crazy i'd say well you're probably the same person that paints your face at a football game yep. and you you worships at the altar of the goal line right and yep. you you Pull your shirt off, and you probably shouldn't, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the one screaming for your team that's not very good. And, you know, I mean, I and guess... I guess thousands to do it. I guess crazy is subjective to the person, yeah, man, right? Absolutely, so absolutely. call me crazy for praying. I'll call you crazy for, for rooting on that team. That just is terrible. I think as we close out our... our ministry questions here. There's a good one that, that I do want to find out because this impacts everyone who might be listening. And that's, what do you think the most critical issue the church is facing right now? The, the, the oh. bigger church, not just our yeah. local church, but, and I know there's a long list of things that are critical, but if you had to highlight one or two things, what would you say? I think I could put a, put a finger on it. Um, I think it's apathy. Really? I don't think it's. Uh, I think apathy has a lot of tributaries to it. Um, sure. Apathy in prayer, apathy in service, ap- apathy in um, your investment in the kingdom. Just overall apathetic behavior. Um, it's part of our culture. You know, there's some things that we know that we shouldn't eat, but we're apathetic to our health that we still eat it because it gives us pleasure. Looking at you, Mountain Dew. <laughs> hey, man, this is how that's going to be. I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> we are not taking them on as a sponsor. I don't need a truck pulling up out here full of Mountain Dew. <laughs> I love, by the way, Code Red Cherry Mountain Dew is it's, the bomb diggity. I'm terrible just terrible for you. It would probably power your car if you poured it in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true, but therein is what I'm talking about. It's yeah. so terrible, and the doctors tell us it's full of sugar. It's not good for you. It's not good for your stomach. It's not good for your digestion. You should drink more water, et cetera, et cetera. We're apathetic to the warning of it, yeah. and we still do it. Yeah. So as a pastor, when I preach you know, conviction in you know, what the Bible talks about. Sure. People are apathetic. You know, well, you're not talking to me. You're talking to so-and-so across the aisle. So apathy. And, I, man, I could spend some time there. I'm not going, going to, but 
I think that's the biggest thing yeah. that people are asleep. No, that's true. Well, people, it leads into a lot of things: disunity and separation, and right, no, absolutely. When yeah. you're disconnect, and I believe apathy, part of a, a synonymous word or action with apathy is disconnectedness, mm-hmm. uh, disconnection. People are disconnected to what they should be doing and where they should be at, and and everything. I mean, apathy in in marriages. Apathy in in home life. Yeah. I mean, there's an apathy from parents to children, and children to parents, and children to their grades, and there's just there's a whole bailout spirit that that people have fostered. And again, I'm now I'm on my soapbox here, but that people will foster and grab a hold of, and they would rather take the road less taken, or rather the easier road, mm-hmm. I should say as opposed to the responsibility of doing what they're supposed to do. That in and of itself is apathy. Yeah. And we were definitely not created to live like that. We were created to be full of joy and and connected. Right. I mean, really uh, to the listener, you probably just, that's the truth. Apathy is the biggest problem. It's not sin. I mean, yeah, sin is subjective and it's different for everybody. Sin and weight as it were. Sure. We know what sin is. Uh, we can address sin from the pulpit. We can address it in a Bible study. We, I mean, we know what sin is. The Bible clearly says what sin is. Yeah. But apathy is another thing altogether. I mean, to know to do right, the Bible even says it, and doeth it not yeah. to them in sin. So, yeah. so apathy, that's apathy. Yeah. If you know to do it and you don't do it, what, what is that? That's, I don't care. I don't care attitude. I don't care about it. It's not that important to me. It's that's huge. Yeah. Well, and that steps outside of religious lines, even just like you pointed out. I mean, that that's, there's some people's whole life that are built around that. Right. So, Hmm. ma'am, Jesus is going to come and he's going to find us looking that way. We gotta, we gotta fix that. Right. (laughs) And, and, um, here, here's what happened when Jesus finally arrived. All right. When I say finally, he was the Messiah, the oh, yeah. Savior, mm-hmm. right? And he, they were talking about him back in Genesis. Genesis 3.15 was the first promise of a Savior to mm-hmm. come and to deliver humanity from our sin. Jesus, and, and that, that went all the way down through the down line through the Old Testament, sure. thousands of years, or at least almost 2,000 years. Um, and then Jesus came, and then in his earthly ministry, the very thing that they were looking for down generationally finally came, and what were they? They were apathetic to yeah. him. He came, and what did they do when they were apathetic? They minimized him. They put him in the box. The Bible says that Jesus several times left because they didn't believe in him, number one, and there was no faith there. And there was no investment in what he was saying. And so the Bible would say these words, he can do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Mm. Jesus showed up. He said, hey, I've come to do this and this. And they would say, isn't this Jesus, the carpenter's son? Yeah. The carpenter's son? Isn't he from... Uh... <laughs> isn't he? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Isn't he from uh, that... You know, so all... Again, I think that's a form of apathy and that yeah. spiritual thing. And I'm telling you... That is something that we need to invest ourselves in is getting back to serving God and, and making sure what's important because really in the end, and that's, that's it. 
the crux of, of the real power or rather the real uh, um, judgment of apathy is when you get to the end of all this and you go, man, I wish I would have. Yeah. That to me sounds like a nightmare. Yep. Why? Because you were apathetic or we were apathetic during that time. I didn't take advantage of it yep. and take advantage with time. That's true. Well, no one's going to get to the end and go, oh, I wish I'd played one more round of golf. Absolutely not. Oh, I wish the Pacers would have beat Portland the other night. That's not what happens at the at the foot of the cross. So no, no absolutely. Well, let's shift gears a little bit, and sure. I, you know, I'm very curious. Some of these questions here they might get a little personal for you, so I hope you're okay answering them. But one of these that I really liked is, uh, what do you think has been your greatest win so far in your life? Oh man, that's a great and, question. Uh, tread carefully because. Uh, there's some people who might be listening who might think I, you, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, my greatest, the thing, maybe I'll rephrase it in this way for me. My greatest win, I've had a lot of wins in my life, and then I've had a lot of complete abject failures. Absolutely. Um, I guess my greatest win or my greatest treasure is obviously the treasures that I have with my my family, my wife, and my daughter. Sure. That, that's outside of my own personal salvation. That's the most important yeah. thing, those two. I and, of course, I have my mother, and I'm sure. thankful for her. But it's my relationships with the, my loved ones. I believe I, I try to expand my heart's neighborhood to a lot of people, to not just our church people, but all of the acquaintances over the years. I have some friends that uh, that I had in grade school that have came back in my life over the last few years, and I just I think that is the most awesome thing <laughs> to be able to talk to them and have sure. a friendship with them, and uh, I love that. So my greatest win, you know, I could tell you all the good things that I've experienced in my life. I've done a lot of traveling, planted this church, and it's thriving. We have a Spanish church that's thriving. Those are all wins, but I think how I want to answer that is my greatest treasures are my relationships with the people that I love. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty amazing. Well, and, you know, relational living is what what you preach and teach, and that's what I try to. Yeah, so that's all good stuff. So that's important. You know, going along with that, if if you could have, if you could wave a wand and have a single wish come true, what do you? What do you think that would be? Well, I mean, so what category are we talking about? Personal? Are we talking about spiritual? Are we talking about mental? It's a made-up question with a made-up genie. You get one (laughs) made-up wish. Well, that's not fair. Uh, One question. So uh, I wish peace in the whole world. (laughs) I mean, uh, wow. Uh, For me, on a personal level, you know, it feels like now as I'm older, I'm working on, on my health and, and weight loss and, and uh, trying to keep whatever muscle I have, <laughs> keep it around. So there's that. Um, but I would really like to see this church grow, not for yeah. me, not for my small part of it, but I'd like to see this church grow because of what it means to the kingdom of God. That means people have decided to see the vision that's being perpetrated and perpetuated, I guess that's the better word, uh, in our church uh, about the cross being the real point of hope. 
and that people have been lives changed and they've been baptized in Jesus name and have been infilled with the Holy Ghost and living a spirit filled living a spirit filled life and they they value holiness and righteousness and godly living and trying to be the little Jesuses in this sure. world that so I think that would be my greatest wish as it were quote unquote that that more people that this church would grow Sure, and I would agree with that. And it's frustrating sometimes because with all those things you mentioned, mm-hmm. all the good that we know that comes out of baptism and revelation and being spirit-filled, when when people don't embrace that, when people can't see that, when I can't make them see that, it becomes difficult, and it, it makes it makes life harder sometimes. So when, when you have things like that, when you have difficulties in your life, whether it's growing this church, whether it's sticking to a diet, whether it's doing anything, how do you cope with those trials, and how do you either endure or overcome? How do you do that? Man, these are good questions. Um, I don't know if I ever do solve. Cope is a good word. Cope is meaning how you get through. Because something you just said the other night is you, you got to keep going. Yeah. And that's so hard sometimes when you feel like the walls are crashing down and it's snowing outside and you're disconnected from your family. How do you just, how do you cope? Um, you, you, you keep fighting as it were. And I say that very loosely. Um, I'm a person that, that punches up, um, from my background, we, I had a mother who I've referenced already who raised my brother and I by herself. And um, I would say that since we're not criminals, my brother has passed last year, as you know, Um, but we weren't criminals. I'm not a criminal. I believe I'm a good person or I'm trying to be a force for good, even though sometimes I failed miserably. Right. How do I cope is that you just Keep going. The Bible talks about rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. The, the idea, what you just said, I'm, I'm, I don't remember saying that, but sounds like me, that you just keep going. You keep punching. You keep fighting. You keep getting back up. You keep, when you fail, I mean, it's really two, two decisions, and we were joking about this the other day, you and I. <laughs> And it's that old line, and I was, I, of course, I wrongfully said, I was, it was a joke, but Steve, you picked up on it and really kind of <laughs> put the spin. I said, you know, really, the decision is you you got to get busy living or get busy dying. And I said, I think Abraham Lincoln said it or something. He said, no, Andy Dufresne did in the uh, Morgan Shawshank. Morgan Freeman like, you got to get busy living, <laughs> get busy dying. <laughs> Right. That was old Red. Red's wisdom yeah, there. Shawshank Redemption <laughs> shout out. Uh, but <laughs> but really, isn't it this, this idea? I've learned this saying over the last few years. you got to choose your hard. Yeah. Life is hard. So knowing how you cope then, what, yeah. what would you say, what in your life brings you joy? Because sometimes we have to look for that, right? Mm-hmm. We have to remind, we have to intentionally remind ourselves. Yes, you're right. In that storm, that there is joy. So, what what are what are some of your joys? I I really I think my greatest. Well, I don't want to get too emotional, but I would really love to hear my daughter laugh. Yeah, 
But that, I mean, that's all. Oh. So there's that. Obviously, I love to hear my wife sing, believe it or not. Um, she's not, she wouldn't call herself a singer. I love her singing. Um, my greatest joy, though, the overarching person of who I am, pastor, yeah. husband, father, brother, friend, homie, whatever. <laughs> I really love to see the transformational happening of a person. Yep. Not just spiritually, but emotionally, somebody that has gotten past something that maybe was a hurt in their childhood, and they've relegated that into what it is. It's a scar, and it's no, you know, I'm healed from it, and I need to move on. So I think the greatest thing that gets me, that helps me cope and, and gets me amped, gives me greatest joy, uh, is to really see people overcome. Yeah, seeing others win. Seeing others win. Yeah, that's a great way to put yeah. it. That really is me, and I and I know that sounds so hokey, and I'm so sorry if it does, but <laughs> that really is me. I yeah. really love to see young people have an epiphany about their life, um, that what they can do. I, I this is so neat. My my daughter's three currently, and she is so sharp. She really is. She really is. And the cool thing that I always mention, and I just really I almost want to take a picture of it every time it happens, um, that she'll say, look, Dad, look what I can do. Yeah. And I love to see that in adults that say, hey, look, Pastor, look what I've overcome. Yeah. And I have to tell you, that is the most gratifying feeling is to see people just, they have that epiphany yeah. that... I'm past that. I can take the next step on sure. the rung of the ladder spiritually. I'm over that. God's given me the victory. And doesn't mean that that's solved. It just means that doesn't beat them anymore. I figured out how to deal with that. So I get to move on to the next thing. Yeah, so for me, yeah. as a man, as a pastor, minister, as a friend, I love to see somebody just really grab a hold of it. That's probably... That's you know I never thought of that, but I think that really is me. I yeah. think, I think that is. Well, I can tell you one of the joys I have is when I get to come to you specifically, just like I did yesterday, and I when I told you about that coworker. Oh yeah, yeah. To see you light up and have that same joy that I had when, yeah. you know, I had God put something on me and I acted, and it, it may bear fruit. I hope it does. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we shared in that moment. Yeah. And it, it was nice for me too. Yeah, so I, I understand that. Yeah. 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 So I think we're going to end this segment here with just a couple of just a couple of more questions more. I hope I hope you're not side. bored yeah, by I listening to this because and really we should have been asking these back to you. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, we'll save that for another time. Okay. But uh so I am curious cuz you're you're a, you're a traveler. You've been a lot of places. I have been. I've been very fortunate. Things you have, and and you've got a lot of cool memories and stories about that. Yes, and I use it a lot. Yeah, some people's (laughs) eye rolling. Oh, here he goes again. You've got a map in your office, and you've you've put pins, so it's kind of a nice visual representation for where you've been. So, in Mm -hmm. in all of your travels, what has been the most awe inspiring place? That if someone came to you and said, "Hey, I'm 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 going to get to take one trip in my life. What should I go see before I go to glory?" Wow. Um, now the church right now is going. You better see Israel. You better <laughs> see Israel. 
but but I don't. It doesn't have to necessarily. I mean, we all kind of know that. So I mean, if it's not that, that's okay too. Because there's a lot of. I mean, God created a whole great big world that's awesome. No, no, there, and that's true. Yeah, and and everyone should see Israel, though. By the way, yeah, in 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 fact, you'll appreciate things a lot. I would say this: you'll appreciate the United States of America more. Now, I know that right now we've got a lot of different positions on what's right and wrong, mm-hmm. but by and large the the liberty that you have in this country as Unparalleled a citizen anywhere in the world you appreciate it when you go overseas and abroad and when you come home yeah. there is a safety feeling that is out of this world and uh, i've experienced that over and over <sighs> one thing uh you know awe inspiring here here's a flex i'm sorry but this will it's part of what I'm going to answer. Um, I'm a history person. I love history. Uh, I've come to know that not all history is something that you can depend on as actual history, maybe made up. But by and large, the history that we're taught in school is uh, the thing that, that draws me, even still today. Yeah, I mean, it's what we have. So, so I love uh, things that are... Uh, the big things. Uh, so I've been across the Atlantic, I think, 10 or 12 times. And I've seen um, I've seen Israel from time. And I'm, I'm staring off into space here because I'm really trying to think all this stuff. I've, I've, uh, I've been to the pyramids in Egypt. I've been all over Israel. I've been to Jordan. Have you been to, you've been to Russia, right? I've been to Russia. Yeah, I've been like to St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg. Yeah, yeah, with some friends. And you've been to the Vatican. I've been to the Vatican three times. I've been to Rome three times. I've been to Paris a few times. So I've seen all that stuff. And that's great. I've been to Germany. Munich. I saw the Olympic Stadium where uh, Jesse Owens oh, yeah. you know, withstood Adolf Hitler. I yeah. just Those things are just, when you know it, the impact. Like, wow. I've been to London three times. I've been to Ireland a couple of times. Um, did you kiss the Blarney Stone? I did kiss the did Blarney you Stone. Really? I was scared out That's of my where mind. where you got that lip fungus, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> I got lip fungus? <laughs> they haven't identified it yet. <laughs> That's that's no... F- I, listen, whatever. I, we'll talk about that <laughs> yeah. another time. But uh, i tell you what the neatest thing for me is. Um, again, I've been to Sweden, Denmark, all these different things, and and uh, just blessed. But I think the neatest thing for me, and I don't want to get too emotional, but it's it's um, my wife had a few years back started um, started to go through my family tree, mm. and uh, I had a uh, you know I'll just be transparent if that's okay. Sure. Um. You know, I didn't really know a lot about my father, my biological father. And so my wife just decided within herself, after I found out that he had passed, uh, that was after we tried to reach out to him for the first time after sure. 30-something, almost 40 years. Um, she said, well, I'll just do some things on her own. And so she found not only his uh, family, his immediate family, and his sisters and other brothers and all that, and all that 
family, mm-hmm. but she began to go back through his lineage, like his father and his grandfather. And she started to see the origins of my father's side, the paternal line that came from Northern Ireland and Belfast. And uh, she, she said, hey, when we go to Ireland here, you want to go to Northern Ireland, which is not the Republic of Ireland. It's more now it's its, its own country, but it's really associated with the British Isles. And I know sure. I'm talking, but I have to tell you all this to understand the context of what I'm saying. And she said, well, let's go to Belfast because that's where your your grandfather was from, your great-grandfather that came oh. over on on one of the boats. Sure. And, and that's Bel- cool. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that was like, you know, not having to know my father, but now I get to see things and this ancestry stuff of his of my great-grandfather's signature and where he came from in Belfast, and she even found out, because she's a detective. Not not really, but she is. Um, she is, yeah. <laughs> she found out where ca- the county he came from, which is like we live in Marion County. We call it Marion County. Yeah. They call it in Ireland the county first, and so it was from the county down. And so we stayed in the county down. I found some people that lived in that county, and uh, I would tell them this long, drawn-out story that I'm telling you, and we have to be done. I'm, I'm sorry. So it's just cool to be able to reach out and talk to people that were my countrymen. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I think that was the most greatest thing that I've experienced yeah. travel-wise. Yeah, that, that's cool. That, that I want to go further into it because I, having known a little bit more, I have a joke, everybody. You probably heard it if you, you're close to me. That that's where the Vikings settled in a lot, and I'm probably a Viking warlord. So probably, just saying, probably. I just wouldn't doubt it at all. Well, you know, we all want connection, right? Yes, we all want to be connected, not only to each other, but you know, the the connections you have with your family are, are obviously different than sure. the ones you have with with the others. So sure. it's it's always interesting to explore that and to uncover that, and really through ancestry and twenty three yeah. and me. Boy, I've got a story for you, but it's for another podcast. Yes, you uh, got to tell that story. A, someday I will. That's a that's a good one. But yeah. I think we'll close today with um, in in going with that travel. The last question I'll ask you is, you know, I'll it, make it short. I promise. You got a bucket list, I'm sure, of places yet to go. Mm-hmm. Give me one place. What's the What's the top of that bucket list of where you'd still like to go that you haven't been yet before you you run out of the will to travel. I feel like I'm almost at the end. Almost there. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more, um, but you want me to pin it down to one. And I know right now you're you're going to say Mooresville, Indiana, but you've already been there. Love. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry to all the residents yeah. of Mooresville, Indiana. Now, there are some lovely people in They Mooresville. are lovely Actually, people. Actually, we have families that we know there. I just, I, I just picked one out. It was either that or Martinsville in my brain. Just, just so that we're clear, he said it, not me. I love Mooresville. I'm just reading it off the note you passed me. <laughs> hey, take a jab at Mooresville. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, the one thing, I, I would say this, um, I've always wanted to see the Great Wall of China. That would be impressive. We, we, my wife and I were discussing that at one point. 
Um, I've already been to Greece. I've I saw all the amazing stuff of that. Yeah, I hear Wuhan's lovely this time of year. No, thank you. Yeah, no, thank. That's you. That's worse than Mooresville. No that's, offense to Mooresville. That's right. <laughs> I hear they have. No. Actually, though, Japan would be probably on my list. As Japan well. is cool. Yeah. I bet. I bet. I've like never to been to the Asia. Yeah. I always wanted to set foot on six of the seven continents, and yeah. now. You can set foot on seven of the continents now. I always wanted to say that and say yeah. that's one of the bucket list things. And I, it is still, but sure. I mean, I'm getting up there, so <laughs> <laughs> I better get get to work. Well, you know, like most things with this episode and with our lives, we are, we are out of time. Out of time. So that's all the time we have for this episode today. Thank you for your time. Thank oh, you for answering fun. these questions. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I hope that the listeners get something out of that. I mean, I thought it was cool. Uh, but we pray this was a blessing for you and that you'll join us as we continue to study God's Word. You know, you can find this and all of our episodes at pohpodcast.com along with links to your favorite streaming platforms or you can search for Point of Hope Podcast on YouTube. So don't forget, subscribe, like, comment, enable notifications, and email more questions. This stuff's fun. Maybe we'll do this more from time to time. So sure. if you have any questions, comments, you can email them to pohcontent at gmail.com and we'll respond as we are able. So, Pastor, thank you for your time thank today. Thank you. That was fun. And thank you all for listening.